You are listening to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast. <laughs> Ramblings of a K drama fanatic with thoughts about Korean dramas, movies, music, and beauty. These are my thoughts about life, pop culture, and other really random things. New episodes mostly every week, mostly on Mondays, sometimes on different days. But follow us on our socials at Peach Neon Pink. There's two N's after neon. For more random, random, random <laughs> ramblings, head on over to my website at www.peachneonpink.com. Again, neon has two N's. Hey, 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 today is a Monday, and you know what it is. I am back with another podcast episode. It's been a while, a little bit more than a week, I think. I think since the last podcast episode. Anyways, this is Peach Neon Pink, The Ramblings, a podcast where I talk about all the stuff K dramas, K movies, K movies, um, k-pop and k-beauty so this is actually um the eighth episode of this podcast so if you've been listening so far good for you i appreciate you i i love you guys thank you thank you thank you for listening um to the podcast like i said podcast episode eight i am so excited because i'm finally gonna talk about pretty much the korean movie that everybody's been talking about lately um bong joon ho's um new movie parasite so um i had seen it previously just streaming but i recently saw it in the theater which is so much better to see it so i'm gonna talk about that movie um i'm also gonna talk about a couple of korean dramas that i'm currently watching and i want to watch um a little bit of an update on Melting Me Softly, which is the Ji Chang-wook Korean drama that I talked about previously in a previous episode. Um, and also a couple of other just random thoughts about Korean movies and K-drama. Um, on the K-pop side, I'm going to be talking about my favorite, favorite group, GOT7. Um, they recently had a comeback um today actually so i'm gonna talk about them um i'm gonna be fangirling over them so be ready for that in this episode um and then on the k-beauty section i'm gonna talk about two products from dr jart that i recently started using um and a little bit of a review about that and that would be it so stay tuned the korean movie section of this podcast oh my gosh guys i am super 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 excited to talk about this korean movie um, because not only am i a fan of korean movies like i am of k-dramas um director bong joon ho is actually one of my favorite um korean directors just because he's so innovative and his films are always very um thought-provoking um and he has he's one of those directors that have his own genre 
Um, I kind of same reason why I like Taika Waititi, um, who directed Thor Ragnarok and a whole bunch of other indie films in New Zealand, because he has his own very distinctive style. Same with di director Bong Joon-ho. Um, anyways, Parasite is the title of this movie. It's starting Song Kang, star starting, starring <laughs> Song Kang Ho, Choi Woo Shik. I'm gonna read you guys a little bit of a description. Um, this one's from Asian Wiki. It's gonna be sort of uh, spoiler free sort of ish because this is one of those movies that you don't want to be spoiled because then it just ruins the experience that is watching a bon, bong joon ho movie uh film anyways uh this is a little bit of a uh a summary synopsis thing from asian wiki so i'm gonna read that out a little bit here uh kitek who is played by Son Kang Ho, is poor and unemployed. He lives with his wife, Chong Sook, played by Jang Hae Jin, son Ki Woo, played by Choi Woo Sik, and daughter Ki Jung, played by Park So Dom, in a damp, insect-infested, semi-basement apartment in a low-income area of Seoul. When Ki Woo takes his friend, this is a cameo from Park Seo Jun, to a nearby convenience store for drinks, he learns that his friend, who is going to study abroad is leaving behind a good paying private tutoring job his friend wants kiwu to take over tutoring job the tutoring job while he's abroad soon kiwu enters the life of the wealthy park family with kiwu's own family lurking in the periphery um which i really like this synopsis from asian wiki because it it doesn't let you on 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 the twists and turns of this movie which is um what's amazing about experience, experiencing this movie and watching this film. Um, so Parasite uh, or Giseng Chung in Korean. I thought, I hope I pronounced that right. Giseng Chung? I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it is by CJNE or CJ Entertainment. The international release is um, by Neon which releases a lot of like those quirky um, type of artsy indie films. So I thought that this was perfect. Um, so I, sh I think Neon is in charge of releasing it in its North American release. I'm not sure how they're releasing it other countries worldwide. Um, like I said, directed by director Bong Joon-ho. He is the visionary director behind films such as The Host, The Host, I just can't like talk today or something. <laughs> the host, uh, Snowpiercer, more recently, Okja, which had a very, very wide international release and was very wild, widely, widely regarded. Um, I have watched, let's see, I've watched almost all of those films that I've mentioned. Uh, he also... I believe he's also the director behind Memories of a Mur Memories of Murder, Memories of a Murder, and uh, Mother. Who um, is uh, those are just very good Korean movies. Um, like most of his films, Parasite or Giseng Chong is um, genre bending. Um, that's why I was that was saying in the intro that. Um, director Bong Joon-ho has his own genre just because he has such a distinct style of making a movie that you 
instantaneously know that it is him making this movie. It's kind of like if I liken him to Hollywood, it would be like watching a, a Quentin Tarantino film. There's a certain style, a certain flair, the way the cinematography is, um, that you know that it's that director. It's pretty much similar to the f- to the way that you'll know it's a Steven Spielberg film. Um, so like with most of his films is it's like i said genre bending the it's a thriller it's black comedy it's horror social commentary at times it's a farce um it is a a blend of a lot of different genres just continuously switching back and forth throughout the film which what for me makes it a very good film to watch because you're it's i wouldn't say that there's it's just a plot twist that kind of captivates you it's just that the genre shifts so much in this movie that i think for other people it'd be off-putting but for me personally i really love this kind of movie it keeps me on my toes it keeps me wanting to keep watching it several times over and over just to catch more and more details about it um just because of the tonal shifts of um the movie i'm kind of weird in a way that um if there's too much it's not done very well i don't like it when the tone switches between genres in a movie um and i especially don't like it in a korean drama because i feel like korean dramas because of the long run it needs to have a consistent tone to it if it's a rom-com it's a rom-com like if it's a fantasy rom-com it historical drama it should kind of like stay in the two or three genres that it started off with and like you know just because you're watching more than like 16 hours or oftentimes like 20 or 24 hours of this drama. So, but with films, because I'm only like really investing like, you know, a good two, three hours of my life. Like I want to be on my toes and be be captured just from that moment of watching and starting to watch the movie. So um, this Parasite is one of those movies. I mean, I'm not surprised that it actually won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. I mean, it's already getting a lot of buzz for um, internationally. I think it's it's getting a lot of buzz for being uh, South Korea's entry for the international um, section of the Academy Awards. And they were talking about that there is a possibility that it could actually be nominated for um, Best Picture and dar- director Bong Joon-ho can actually be um nominated as for in the running for best director because it's it's a movie that just captures it's not only like the typical artsy indie flick but also it's enough that it could be mainstream and kind of hit that part of like commercially could be like that um i'm not too familiar of how the academy academy award work but i think it's like you have to be both like you know um thematically and commercially like mainstream so um or at least like just um like thought-provoking enough to be a best picture contender um first and foremost um parasite is at its core, I feel, is a character study. Um, not only is it a overall a tale about economic and 
class disparity it's it's a character study of each person um individually um throughout this movie there is several family units um the kim family is um like you it's a character study of them as a family but also individually you can start to understand uh, the motivations which between each family member um like kiwu is like that um really smart kid but just hasn't had um the opportunities in life like he um in the first section of the movie they talk about how he had he did his mil- his mandatory like 20 month military um service in korea and he's uh applied to colleges like four times but that he lacks vigor um and i feel like it's like one of those type archetype of people or characters that um they're they're actually very street smart but just not like book smart so i definitely understand that character and um it's also character character study on kijung um the daughter of the kim family because she looks very tough and outside but then the role she plays later on in the plot of the movie is that it turns out she's actually the most empathetic um, one of the family. Um, and then there's the patriarch of the Kim family, Kitek, and Chung Suk, the matriarch of the family, which all, but the story itself also is a character study on them of how their marriages. Um, I think what's beautiful about the the study that they do, uh, that Bong, director Bong Joon-ho does on um, during the movie is that you see how the mom and the dad in the Kim family actually function as parents, as husband and wife um, in comparison to the other um, mom and dads or um, husband and wives in the um in the structure of the film because although they are poor and living in poverty and just barely like holding on to life and barely like scraping by you can see that there is this rapport between them that um they've been to you kind of feel without like exp- being explored so much in the movie that they've been through a lot in their marriage and they're like they're really in it till death to us part kind of things <laughs> because they they banter with each other um there it's it's sort of half like a very typical husband and wife relationship that you see in films and movies but also half that's quite realistic i feel like uh, i mean the way they banter is like how you i feel like you would see in real life that's how i meant like it's very quite realistic um and then it's also a character study on um, poverty uh, as as kind of like represented by the third family in the movie. Um, and also a character study on um, wealth because it represented um, by the wealthy Park family. Um, I feel too that it's the, the Park family is not only um, mirroring the Kim family, but also there is, uh, like I said, a lot of character study um, individually as well, not just by family, because when you see the Park family, they're not, um, they're not tip- the typical like rich people that are snooty and they're just like 
very condescending and above their station. I mean, generally, you feel like this is a family that can exist in real life, uh, that there are people who exist like this, that they're just clueless about how the other um the other half lives, like how the other people on the other side of the railroad, ra- railroad as they say, um, lives. Um, just because they're so absorbed with their own like life. Like to them, that's what's normal. And you, you can't really fault them for that because when you see uh, the, the wife or the mom in the Park family, I mean, she doesn't um, come across as somebody who just purposely like hurt somebody else or do something malicious but it's just her station in life just doesn't afford her like the world view of knowing what how other people live like people in the middle class or people who are um in third world countries like live so she's just lived her life so sheltered and like just functioning in that bubble of like rich wealthy people same thing with um uh, Park Sajangnam, who is like the the dad or the husband in the Park family, and he just comes off very um, just lax and just like chill. But it's because of what he has been afforded in life that he has. Um, you kind of get a sense that this is a guy who's been handed. He's had like a silver spoon in his mouth since birth, and he's been handed every opportunity: the best schools, the best. Um, university the best like career opportunities he's had um all the resources in the world to establish his company so i mean you you can't necessarily fault them for living their life that way because that's the normal in their life um the other thing i mean the whole movie like i said and I'm probably going to repeat a couple more times in this podcast talking about it, but it is a character study. And the character study is not only shown in the family units that are in the movie, but also um, just thematically um, and visually when you see the movie, you kind of get a very uh, distinct yet subtle um, representation of each um, class disparity uh, within the movie. Um, there is this reoccurring theme of stairways, um, of being the poor dreaming of going up, but eventually forced to going deeper down is what I kind of thought about it while I was watching the movie in the theater, because, um, to literally to go to, uh, the Kim family's sub basement home is that you'd have to go through a flight of stairs going pretty much below ground, um, and for the Park family to, their house is literally above street level. Like you'd have to go through a series of flights of stairs to even get to the house. As you can see in the one of the very first scenes when Kiwu is like walking up um, right after he rings the doorbell and they let him in. He has to go through a series of stairways just to even get to the front door of the house or the front lawn um and then um spoiler alert like there is a third family involved in the story and to get to where they are it's like going deeper even below sub basement going underground into a bunker and that was like even more um 
even more stairways and visually that's what kind of like separates each family member in each class disparity in the movie um um, towards the end of the movie there is a significant um event in the plot that um Kitek the Kim patriarch uh the dad and her husband ends up actually going deeper and deeper down into the bunker uh kind of like just symbolically saying that he's gone uh even lower than his previous station in life was um so anyways the stairways i i just loved so much uh i was kind of blown away but by, by visually how this movie was um just because uh even though i had watched it before streaming um when i watched it in a theater it's just afforded me much more time and more focus to kind of like um not just try to follow the plot but also look at visually what the uh the movie is presenting to me um and the the fun part about the movie is that it's very self-aware of the film being a meth a metaphor um kiwu himself he says this is so metaphorical several times during the film um the one scene that i really remember is that uh they were talking about uh spoiler again uh replacing um the whole first section of the movie is is them kind of insinuating their life into the park family and getting hired as the household help in the park household um but not letting them know that they're all related so um there is this whole um series sequence of scenes that um they're trying to um get the the current driver for the park family to be fired and that Kitek the Kim patriarch the the dad to um start working as their driver and kiwu says says something like this is so metaphorical we're eating in a driver's cafeteria and you're gonna be the driver um for the park family and um if you don't know there in korea there's actually specific well um for like taxi drivers and bus drivers and like stuff like that um um professions like that like jobs like that they actually have like an actual like eatery or cafeteria that i believe is open 24 7 for them to eat during their breaks so um this is the that setting of that scene and they're eating at this place because it's actually fairly cheap and economical to get a full like buffet of like food um several times kiwu talks about like you know um things that are happening to them that's just like a metaphor for their life um when they all start getting hired into the park household in different capacities um kiwu talks about how like it's like a metaphor for their lives being elevated and getting better um so that's what i meant by it's it's very self-aware of that that aspect of um, the, the film um it makes you think about um you know i i watched snowpiercer um before i think when did it come out a few years ago anyways chris evans is in that movie as well as tilda swinton it's there's a whole bunch it's a more hollywood film that than bong joon ho's director bong joon ho's like 
other films just because it has a lot more um like actors from Hollywood. Same thing with Okja. Okja has quite a few um mostly like actors from Hollywood. But Snowpiercer, I initially didn't think it was a Bong Joon-ho movie just because it was very it's much more commercialized. But uh, it also had Chris Evans. And this is when like he was still playing Captain America in um, the Avengers. So he he had the very scruffy look in this movie. Very different from his clean, look, clean cut look as Captain America in the Avengers. So, um, but much like Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is set in the future where um, every the whole surviving population of the world is stuck on this like moving train that's just circling around the globe um and it's just like each uh cabin in the train kind of represents the disparities of class and economy um when in snowpiercer it's more of like a horizontal look towards um class disparities because you can see that each cabin is specifically a different um class in life like the very poverty the very poor to like semi like lower middle class to middle class to the ultra rich um and you kind of see that as um chris evans's character goes through it just to get to the front of the train that's the whole plot of the movie is that he he needs to get to the front of the train um so that one is a more horizontal forward um look a movement towards class disparities whereas this one in parasite is more vertical because there is a uh like i said an underground bunker there is the kim family's sub basement and then the park home which i mentioned that is literally elevated above street level and then the characters instead of just one direction moving towards the front of the train like in snowpiercer this one they are constantly going um at least for the kim family they're constantly going above um above street level to the park household and then below into the underground bunker several times throughout the movie so it's kind of a bit of a feeling of like as with any like real life situation that sometimes you know there there could be a times that you are living kind of broke and then there's times that you're living like with money and you're comfortable um you know in the circle of life uh as what they say in lion king um but here in that movie that's illustrated in vertically in how what the place is that they're going to or they're currently it are um, so there's that like um, similarities between um, Parasite and Snowpiercer. Um, actually, I, I do, even though it's very more, much more Hollywood-ish type of movie, I do recommend watching Snowpiercer. Um, it's it's quite a good movie. Tilda Swinton plays a very over-the-top kind of ridiculous character in it that I really enjoyed. Um, and even the whole setting of it is very very extra it's over the top uh cinematically it's quite beautiful also to see as most of bong jun dr Hector bong jun ho's movies because it's just visually you're it's a treat visually makes you think um much like how parasite is as well uh, visually it's gonna make you think about um 
it just broadens your worldview of life uh which which is what i love about watching korean movies actually so i definitely recommend snowpiercer as well if you get a chance to watch that watch that watch parasite of course um moving on um Let's see what else I'm talking about. Oh, um, there is a cameo by one of my favorite, favorite Korean drama actors, Park Seo Joon. He was in uh, What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. He was also in Fight My Way. He is in... Um, what is the other movie he was in? Uh, I mean, Korean drama. Anyways, he's in a lot of Korean dramas most of korean dramas i i I love this actor um i might have mentioned him before uh in a previous podcast episode because i think i talked about his um youtube channel that he has he has a vlog channel uh which is a it's a joy to watch actually Uh, (laughs) anyway it's a cameo by park sirajan he is playing this character named min who is kiwu's friend um he he enters um the movie in the beginning um carrying this huge rock it's a land called a landscape rock um i I guess i don't know i've never met somebody like that where here in the states uh who collects huge rocks like that i don't know but it's a thing that i've seen in several different other um k-dramas and korean movies um more recently in um her private life the dad character there actually collects these type of rocks as well land- landscape rocks so these are like river rocks or huge river rocks that actually look like they're mountains and like valleys um uh, anyways park surgeon um his character min's grandfather gives one g- gifts one to um the kim family and um a reoccurring theme in the movie is that um is it actually a blessing um that you know it's because park surgeon's character says that um oh my grandfather says that this is supposed to bring money into the household um or is it actually truly more of a symbol of poverty um or when you think about it is it a weight that will never be lifted or as Kiwo actually says in one of his dialogues in the movie in the later half is that it clings to me um it makes me think that it's more um i don't think it's really a gift or something that's bringing them good luck but more of it's it's a heavy weight that um to represent that they're always gonna in the end of the day they're always gonna be poor they're always gonna live in poverty um that it is always gonna be that weight on their shoulders that's never gonna be lifted from uh from them um and it's it's both kind of like supposed to be like a fortunate thing and also like uh uh something that's like bad to them i think <laughs> i'm not too sure but i i'm mostly when i was watching it i was leaning more and more towards thinking that it is a symbol of poverty um and it also has a very significant part towards the end of the movie, uh, which I'm not going to um, talk about since it is a big spoiler uh, and a big plot twist. Um, but it causes a lot of damage. So <laughs> um, it's it's quite gruesome. So when you see it during a movie. Um, 
uh, there is a lot of mirrored scenes and scenarios in this movie. Uh, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> there is a scene towards the middle of the movie that Ki Jung, the daughter of the Kim family, spends time leisurely in the bathtub. And then very quickly in the next scene, she ends up in the midst of their uh, of a flooding bathroom. Um, she's pretty much uh, their sub-basement home gets flooded during the rain and she's sitting there in a flooded bathroom sitting on a toilet that's pretty much gross and overflowing smoking her last cigarette and there's just this very distinctive uh stark contrast of her previously the previous scene before that just kind of living the life up like in the park home um spoiler there is a third family involved and um the the husband in that family um somewhat has become insane from hiding in the bunker that's underneath um the park home um and then mirroring that is uh the king patriarchitic ended up hiding in the same bunker after the events of the last half of the movie um the character Gunse, he's the he's the husband in the third family that's living in the bunker, um, is using Morse code to communicate, um, or he he thinks that he's communicating with the Park family. He's kind of a bit just crazy from I think living there underground, um, and then mirroring that is that when Kitek ends up being um trapped in the bunker is that he's also using morse code and this time to communicate to the outside world hopefully to his son kiwu um another example of mirrored scenes and scenarios is that um chung suk the kim matriarch the wife um she actually in their sub-basement home there is they pan to this um award um medal and like a picture with with an article several times throughout the movie that you're like oh it must be important because they're they're just like panning to this like one shot like so many times but it shows that actually she's a champion axe thrower like um in korea and then um towards the end of the movie the patriarchy tech he's actually dressed up as an indian or a native american or they call it indian in the movie whichever is politically correct i guess uh with an axe and he's supposed to come out and um kind of mime being an indian so there's that like um mirrored scenario on there um there's also uh in the beginning a scene when they're doing uh street fumigation and then um you can see that there's the bugs are everywhere in the sub-basement home of the kim family um but it kind of just reinforces the idea of being parasites like the title parasites um and also um like pretty much how like the insects are very resilient and it kind of sort of um represents the kim family i think because even though they're like barely hanging on um barely scraping by to have something to put on the table and to function in their daily life is that um It's like, uh, they're kind of like bugs. Like they can be, you know, they're fumigating, but still there's a lot of bugs. And, and 
they're resilient in that way. The Kim family that no matter what happens to them, and I think until towards the end of the movie that they're really just resilient and they're just trying their best to live the life and just fighting for their their right to be living, which is is actually very beautiful actually when you think about it because that's what just all of us just want to do. We just want to live our life, pretty much. <laughs> um. Talking about parasites, actually, the title of the movie, um, it makes you think throughout the movie, at least for me, it made me think, like, who is the real parasite? Like, is it the Kim family who essentially had conned their way into acquiring jobs in the Park household? Or is it actually the Park family, the rich family, who just can't seem to function even in their daily life, like going to the grocery store, you know, um, like walking the dog, stuff like that, as most rich people, I guess, um, they can't even function without the household help. So are they the parasites just like uh, parasitically um, using the Kim family? Or is it the third family, uh, which I have mentioned a couple of times, that are living in a bunker underneath the Park household? Spoiler alert. Um, are they the parasites? Like it makes you think... Actually, maybe all of them are parasites in one way or another. That's why the movie is called Parasite. Because in one way or another, it just highlights how in in reality, you know, in some degree, we all end up just using each other in our society. I mean, it doesn't have to be just a malicious way of like you're, you're purposely trying to like um, use a person for your own gain. But essentially, that's that's how society works. We end up you know, we use other people um, in terms of being like household help, employees, uh, or the other way around, um, being the employer or being the CEO, being the owner, whichever, right? Where in real life, we actually do sort of our parasites off of each other, which I think that's what's beautiful about this film because it makes you think about that. Um, very distinctively so um yeah maybe let me know in the comments or send me a message on on uh, our socials who do you think is the real parasite in the movie or is it all of them i don't know it just makes me think about it (laughs) um speaking of that of the idea that uh, is is are all of them um the parasites maybe um in the end what the film is trying to say is that is hope actually the idea the concept of hope is the actual eternal parasite in people's lives feeding off the dreams of people like because the kim family throughout the movie they're just hoping for a better life they are just hoping to live um and maybe that is that is what the parasite is in life like you're you know um it fe- hope feeds through dreams and dreams um don't necessarily pan out the way you want to in life um there is a scene towards the end that kiwu talks about uh talks to kitek and says that dad you have a plan like what's your plan and he's saying that kiwu don't you know actually the best plan is having no plans at all because then you can't mess up things can't go uh wrong uh which is such a tragic just summary of what has happened in the first 
uh, the first quarter or the first three fourths of the movie because, uh, essentially for most part of the movie, um, the Kim family is planning every, every part of what they're doing, and then everything just goes over their head, and it just everything just goes wrong. So the fact that the Kim patriarch Kitek is saying that don't you know the the best plan is having no plans at all, um. And again, with a mirrored scenario, is that he says that, and then in the end of the movie, uh, Ki Woo actually talks about, you know, I have a plan, I'm gonna earn a lot of money, I'm gonna get very rich, and then he has a very dreamlike structure, dream of what he feels like is gonna happen, and then when, for for. Just like the film to kind of like bring him back to reality by waking up from his dream, so um, it's kind of just reinforcing the fact that you know maybe having no plan at all is better than just having such an intricate plan. Um, anyways, those are my thoughts on Parasite. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, it's one of those movies that make you think. Uh, very smart movie. Um, I actually watched it in the theater with my sister, and she was saying that, oh, it's one of those movies huh, that I need to like pay attention to, kind of like Inception, because you you not only have to follow the plot and the plot twists, but you also need to think about like you know visually the metaphors, um, within the movie. So. Um, it's quite enjoyable like that. Um, I was joking with my sister because she was very, very just like focused throughout the movie. Uh, and she, we, we got out of the theater and she had like all these questions. And I was like, actually, I was like, oh, those are actually good things to kind of like discuss in a podcast because they are thoughts that just, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily just like writing down notes or something during the movie in the theater. Um, but I was just like compiling like specific key points, like what I discussed right now in this movie, um, in this podcast about what I want to talk about because it was like stuff that was interesting. Anyways, watch Parasite. If it's showing in your city in North America, definitely do watch it support this movie um even if it doesn't get nominated or whatever it doesn't go all the way to the academy awards definitely support it because it is a good movie it's a very good film to watch um yeah all right so uh, i'm gonna talk about a couple of korean dramas actually before we end this section i am going to talk about melting me softly which i talked about in a previous uh podcast episode also titled melt me or noun nok yojo um it, it i'm currently on the last half of the drama i believe right now i saw up to episode 11 and Oh my gosh, like I've said previously in the podcast, um, Ji Chang Wook is like just seriously carrying this drama. Like the guy is just carrying the weight of the whole drama in this this series because he is working so hard just to make it work and I appreciate him for that. Um, I mean, I had a lot of just like gripes about like the plot and how it's written and the dialogue. Which just like I said before, it makes me feel bad for Ji Chang Wook because he's actually a really good actor, and he's not given the best material that he could have given with and worked with. Um, 
Anyways, episode 10 towards the end. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, guys. He has finally, like, the, the kiss of the series, I guess. We might have more. I haven't seen the rest of the series. It hasn't aired yet. But um, episode 10, oh my god, has the shower kiss. Which, um, in the conceit of the drama, uh, they actually end up having to kiss underneath a running shower. Because if they overheat, which is what happens when they kiss um is that they'd actually suffer consequences they might pass out um pretty much like lose consciousness so to mitigate that situation since um madong chan ji shongok's character uh returns back to where um gomiran is um she he pretty much walks into her hotel room kiss starts kissing her passionately and then remembering that they're overheating so they kind of relocated to the shower and there's just like running water on them while they're like just like making out (laughs) which is like probably one of the i mean i don't know if i've seen this in a korean drama before but it's it's definitely a unique uh korean drama kissing scene um but it definitely confirmed it confirms what, yet again that ji chang is one of the best on-screen kissers in k-drama land i mean there is very few of them and i can count them probably in my fingers in my um fingers 10 fingers of like actors who are actually very quite convincing as on-screen kissers and ji chang is definitely one of those definitely he he just has a way of filming and sh- doing a kissing scene they're just like oh that is sizzling <laughs> which is what the shower kiss is in episode 10 um i mean i'm not entirely sold on their chemistry still but by now i'm just like just emotionally invested in this couple because I'm like, I'm already halfway through and I'm just like, all right, I'm I'm just going to accept the fact that you guys are have feelings for each other now and are together um, because I don't know. I just I maybe it's because the actress is just her acting. Uh, one Gina who plays Gomiran is she's actually OK. It's just the way. Uh, she interacts. It's gotten a lot better towards this middle half of the the drama. I feel like it's improved quite a lot. So it's not as bad and off putting as the beginning. Um, but <laughs> it's just like it's kind of like she's kind of like f- like showing if she's at like forty percent, and Ji Chong was just giving like a hundred ten percent at every scene, like up there so emotionally and in the tone i'm gonna talk about tone again in the tone of the series and the scenes it's like she's like at 30 40 percent and ji chung was just like 110 i'm like i'm i'm giving you everything i'm like showing a very passionate which is kind of part of what his character is i think ma dong chan is like a very passionate pd nim like a uh director so um i i get it but also, there's just a big gap. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm watching this series, I'm just like, 
you can really tell that there is a big gap. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so pretty much. It's still kind of off-putting, but not as much because I'm, I'm already emotionally invested in it. Um, pace, uh, like I said, still kind of wonky. I mean, it really has... There's a big bad, big villain, but uh, his presence is not menacing enough for me to feel that there is real, actual danger. Let me say that. Like, you know, you're watching the series and you're like okay there is that big bad but he hasn't really done anything that's just like oh my god would solidify the fact that this is the villain of the series um and there it just makes for it that there's just so much to resolve and it's already like on episode 12 i haven't seen episode 12 but it's already aired and subtitled in english up to episode 12 on vicky and i think i think i'm not too sure I think this is a 16-episode Korean drama. If so, they just have a whole bunch of stuff that they need to resolve. Which I don't know how they're going to do since the the plot and the dialogue and the pace of the whole thing is still kind of wonky at this point. Um, but because I love Ji Chung Wook so much, I'm going to press on and keep watching it. So... Um, I'm going to wait until more episodes. I don't know if I'm going to wait until the rest of the run finishes, like until episode 16 or whatever, or 20. Um, get subtitled and then watch it, like, and binge watch it. Or I'm going to keep doing it like I've been doing lately, that I've just been watching, like, two or three episodes each time as it comes out and it's subbed. Um, let's see. I don't know how much of my love for Ji Chang Wook is going to push me through this series. So... <laughs> I'm going to try to press on. So um, in, in later podcast episodes, you you might get an update of how I'm finishing this Korean drama. Um, other Korean dramas. I, oh my God. I still haven't finished uh, Rookie Historian Go Heerong. Um, I still have, I think, like about four episodes. It's already up and it's been up on um, on Netflix. I just I just haven't had... I just haven't been in the mood to watch it. Um but I I heard from my brother who also I have I think I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes. Uh my brother also watches a lot of Korean dramas and he's finished Rookie Historian Go Hyung and he, he has assured me that it's actually you know I sh- I should push through and actually watch the entire thing. So eventually I'm going to get to it and I'll I'll talk about it in a later podcast episode but um I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that. I am also halfway through Designated Survivor 60 Days. And I I feel so bad, but it's just such a heavy Korean drama that I just haven't, haven't, like, had the heart to to finish it. It's just like, I want to finish watching it, but it's just a very, like, it's a political thriller type of Korean drama, as I have mentioned before. Um, and I just, I just haven't had the heart to like binge watch the latter half of it, but eventually I will be, um, I'm also, uh, towards the beginning or the first third of, uh, Vagabond, which I, I think I mentioned in the last, um, last podcast that, um, it's Lee Seung Gi and Susie's, um, drama that's currently airing on Netflix. Um, I'm, I'm still, I'm still behind, um 
I really like Lusungi's character in it. Chad Ogun is probably one of the best characters he has played uh, or is currently playing. Um, as an actor, I think he has really exceeded himself, Lusungi. Um, and I've kind of gotten past of my just uh, like about Susie. So, um, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still behind like a good handful of episodes. So, um, <laughs> I just have way too much Korean dramas on my plate. And added to that, I watch a lot of Korean movies as well. So, <laughs> yeah, aside from my normal daily life, I do all those things too as well. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of Korean dramas, I've also haven't finish love alarm and they're gonna come out with the second season already i still have like two or th two episodes or so that i still need to watch i just haven't gone i just i had just have haven't had the time to complete it but hopefully before season two comes out i'm actually gonna start like actually finish watching it um i i like it i like song ken i talked about him before he's he's i feel like he's one of those very promising young Korean act, um, Korean actors that eventually is going to make it big in K-drama. Um, so there's that. Uh, speaking of Love Alarm, Kim Soyeon is in that series. And there is another series that's currently airing that he she is in called Tale of Nokdu. It is actually set in the Joseon Dynasty. Um, the series is about a man played by Jang Dong-yoon. Uh, who disguises himself as a woman to enter a mysterious woman-only village and a young woman played by Kim Soyun who does not want to become a Kisang. Kisang is... Uh, how do you explain it? If you know what geishas are, um, I mean, I wouldn't say they're like... They're just women who attend to rich people, rich men um, back in the bygone areas. Uh similar to geisha, geishas in japan geisings is kind of like the the korean equivalent of that so they're kind of like attendants slash entertainers i wouldn't say they're like prostitutes but there's in some aspects they are sort of um sort of i guess or escorts in the modern like right now they would be called like escorts i guess i'm not too sure but anyway key things are like that in in historical dramas or segaks so uh tale of nocto is actually based on a very popular webtoon um like i said it stars jang donghyun who i have never seen and uh, this is the first time i've heard of him um but i've never seen him in a korean drama i think but he he his character has to pretend or disguise himself as a woman. And he looks, his face is so small that he actually pulls off looking like a plain looking woman very well from what I've seen in the trailers. And Kim Soyeon's just like, she's great. She's a long time, she's a veteran by now. She's a child actress before. She's done Love Alarm, which is, I think is one of her uh, more recent like mature roles and here she's actually she's i think she's 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 pretty good um i'm not too sure yet if i'm gonna take on this drama i might i might not just because like i said before <laughs> i just have way too many korean dramas on my plate that i have to finish uh but i might i had 
I sometimes I just watch Korean dramas and Korean movies based on what I like I'm feeling in the moment. I'm that kind of like um uh, person. <laughs> but um sometimes I feel like watching a lighthearted, like webtoon based drama. And this one's a Seguk version of that, so um I might watch it. <laughs> I or I might start watching it. I don't know how many episodes there's already out. Um there's also oh my god i can't even remember the title right now but um i might mention it in a previous podcast episode when i remember but there's just like way too many um korean dramas um but as with most korean dramas that i watch sometimes actually i just end up watching like a few episodes and i drop it because i just it just doesn't I just don't get the inkling to complete it. There's just dramas that I'm just like, oh my god, like, I need to, like, just give me all the episodes right now. I just need to binge watch all of it right now. Um, so there's dramas like that. So um, as I feel like with any avid Korean drama watcher, sometimes there's just dramas that you just fall in love with and you're just like, I'm just going to keep on watching. So I don't know if Tale of Nocto is going to be like that for me or it's just going to be one of those dramas that I'm like currently watching and just kind of dipping my foot in on and off in there. Um, but yeah, so those are pretty much updates on the Korean dramas that I'm currently watching. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about K-pop in the next section.
so I'm back. Now this is the K-pop section of this podcast. Pishni on Pink the Ramblings. Um, all right, all right. Um, I'm like super, super excited because I am finally. I've talked about them before, but I'm finally, finally just dedicating a whole K-pop section of this podcast talking about my favorite K-pop group. Of, of recent like pretty much uh, <laughs> right now or just in general at the moment my favorite k-pop group which is got seven from jyp entertainment they are a seven member boy group from jyp and oh my god today they had at 1 a.m this morning here in the states they actually had their comeback um, album came out um, if you're not familiar with k-pop comebacks are usually what we call uh, when like your favorite artist or group um, comes out with another a new album or an ep or a new mini album and um, with it with e- a comeback entails pretty much um, like appearance in music shows they have a showcase they have teasers trailers for the songs they have song album previews they have a whole photo shoot um just leading up to the actual album not just digitally but physically the thing with k-pop is that you're uh, if you're a newbie to it you're <laughs> you don't know what you're getting into is that it's actually a lot of money from your pocket because um each comeback comes with like merchandise and like posters postcards photo cards uh the actual album itself is an event into itself because it's not like you know you're not just buying the cd you're buying like a whole like photo book you know a lot of different other goodies entailed into it so uh i actually had pre-ordered this um ep for this comeback which is called call my name um i had pre-ordered this online from choice music which shout out to choice music they are an amazing um korean music store here in la uh in california they're 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 amazing i've been to their actual store but i i pre-ordered this um ep so i actually ordered it online so i haven't got it i think i'm gonna get it this week uh hopefully from choice music um hoping that they're gonna send it to me soon i actually pre-ordered this ep uh when i had pre-ordered day six's uh comeback album which i talked about previously uh in this podcast which is um entropy so they're both gonna come together at the same time i might be posting on twitter or on our socials uh like just like my thoughts more about that ep uh from day six um and also just like maybe show photos of when i get this this uh got seven ep (laughs) just because i love them so much so i'm probably gonna rant about them on twitter or something so you guys know you guys know um (laughs) anyways you calling my name is their comeback song their title song from their ep like i said call my name um they are the oh my god they're just they're fresh from finishing uh are, they're not really entirely finished, but for this year, they're finished with their Keep Spinning World Tour 
Um, I actually saw them um, in their LA stop. When was this? In the summer? It was sometime in June. June or July? Was it? Maybe July. Um, <laughs> anyways, they are, you know, they are amazing performers. I, I love them so much because they have such catchy, high-powered songs as well as a good mix of in their discography like of of ballads of r&b soft low-key chill songs um and this this song like i said dropped today at 1 a.m i was actually trying to stay up last night just so i'll be up at one in the morning but i fell asleep so i completely missed the entire festivities that like a k-pop fangirl would do for a comeback um because they actually had like a showcase on V Live streaming, and they had like a whole bunch of other stuff they were doing for their comeback. So I missed all of that. Just sucked when I woke up this morning. But anyways, <laughs> I live. Um, <laughs> you calling my name is actually um, it's a very how to describe it. It's an R and B track. It's. I guess if I had to pick a word to describe the whole song, it's like, it's very smooth. It's just, you, when you're listening to it, it's, it's smooth. It has a very, like, um, the music video dropped also, which I missed when it dropped, but I have since watched it the entire day today and also streamed and just like had the album on Spotify on repeat for like, most of the day today um but the choreography of the music video is quite sharp it's there's this comeback the concept um concept is what it's a a k-pop like i should explain it because uh concepts are pretty much what um it's like the theme or something that a group when they do their comebacks will focus on like their look the feel of the music video the choreography uh, just the vibe of it. That's what the concept is when um, in K-pop when they talk about it. Anyways, this is definitely a sexy concept. Um, but it's just like very chic, very sexy, very smooth. Um, and their choreography reflects that. Um, and oh my God, I just, I just have to mention it. They're wearing suits in this comeback. For their music videos, their showcase, and their um, music show performances. And uh, I don't know if I had mentioned it before, but I just really have this thing about guys in suits. Like, I feel like instantaneously, if I see a guy that I normally see wearing just like casual everyday clothing, and then he wears a suit, it just adds like, like, oomph, like, another level to that person uh especially if they look amazing in a well-tailored suit and oh my god god seven delivers because all of them are wearing leather suits in this comeback and it is just it's already a sexy comeback and i was just like floored because like i said i already had like a thing i don't know how they know this but they already have a thing about guys in suits and i was just like oh my god these are seven seven guys seven good looking guys wearing suits dancing and singing a sexy song so it's like 
like pretty much ovaries blown like uh, like I might I might have like short circuited a couple times throughout today just because of just how like sexy this like comeback is. Anywho, that's that. <laughs> um, I'm gonna talk about specific members because uh seven member group. I'm gonna talk about a few of them just because uh one of the leader JB he starts off the song and his verse in the beginning is just this amazing slow more of like an r like heavy r&b slow build up and then they had this formation in their music video which is like a circle and the dance choreography is that uh jb is actually like stepping like touching making contact with the foot of the other members and they wake up like kind of giving them life i don't know if Search the music video if you're interested and see it on YouTube or whatever. And it's 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 pretty cool. The choreography is pretty cool. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, my bias, who is bias, is your favorite in K-pop, in a K-pop group. Um, Jin Young, he has this section where he does a falsetto. It is... I was speechless because it was just amazing. He... Oh, my God. And he's... I love his the when he's the center of the the choreography because he's a very clean dancer. Like his moves are always very precise, very clean. Uh, and it, the dance moves in this music video and this comeback are requires like very clean, sharp movements. Uh, Jackson, who is my uh. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's my other bias. He's kind of like a bias wrecker. Actually, all of them are bias wreckers. Bias wreckers are like the the members, the other members of the group that just kind of challenges your bias or your favorite. But they're all kind of my favorite. So I, would, I wouldn't say that he's a bias wrecker. But anyway, Jackson, he um recently had come out with, I think I talked about him. Did I talk about him? Did I talk about the song Bullet? Bullet to the Heart. He had like a solo album that recently came out called Mirrors, which is also another excellent, excellent listen. You should you should listen to it. <laughs> uh, but he does this kick and flip move in um the chorus-ish or pre-chorus of the song that's just like mind-blowing because the way well visually also in the music video he's like kicking through like the music video the scenes but also just the vocals um i mean jun young is my bias but when i listen to their songs i can immediately just immediately tell who that it's jackson that's singing he just has that very distinctive husky voice that just lends lends to this, this like style and concept very well because i think his voice is just naturally sexy so uh to do a sexy concept in a comeback is just his thing like it, it's it's pretty much jackson pretty much um the Magne, who is the youngest yugyum um they're just all grown in this comeback because they just pretty much just they're just they're just laying out the sexiness thick they're just like yes we're just gonna do this. Um and Yu Gives the Mangne, who's usually Mangnes are very cute and adorable, but not in God Seven. <laughs> anyway, Yugyum is like probably the best dancer um uh, out of all of them in the group. And he does this like dance move and like uh after the course or something that is just like 
like a, I call it the pat the crotch, like dance move, like some sort of padding around the crotch area move. And I'm just like, oh my God, the magnet is like grown up. <laughs> like, should I be feeling this about like the magnet? I don't know. <laughs> it arouses so much like feelings in me that <laughs> I can't even. Um, and then, and then as if they're not done with just serving up the sexiness throughout the song, um, in you calling my name um pretty much there is this move in the last section of the music video that they do this hip sway um paired with a very just like like beat of the r&b track that's just like why it's like the it's a lot to take in but it just makes the song so much more like um i would say just filled with just so much soulful sexiness <laughs> i can't, i can't even like i just can't um anyways um e- because of copyright reasons as you guys know um if you're listening to this podcast on Anchor or you have Spotify Premium, you actually would have heard like a little bit of a snippet of you calling my name um, before this section of the podcast. Um, if not, it's going to be a generic like um, non-copyrighted music track. Um, anyways, I am also going to talk about the other, one of the other songs in this EP. Um, like I said, their EP called Call My Name. Uh, this is a song called Crash and Burn. They also performed this during their showcase. I believe they performed most of their uh most of the tracks from this EP on their showcase. Um, but I haven't seen all of them online or on V Live. So um I saw Crash and Burn when and they've performed this. And um even before before seeing the the performance and just listening to the track, it's definitely more mainstream. It sounds like that typical boy group song that most uh, boy groups in K-pop put out. I mean, you when you hear it, it's very quite familiar. For me, it was very reminiscent of their um, song from a couple of years ago called Hard Carry, uh, which is actually the the song that got me into God Seven. Um, it starts off slowly with the buildup, and then it's like bass, uh, bass, bass pounding chorus. It's just like, it's like relentless, and that's how I. It reminds me of that, like crash and burn. It's it's definitely a dance song. You just like, it's the kind of song that you just want to like, like groove to. It's like or something that you would hear like if you were in a club. Like it's just like that, ba- uh, bass 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 pounding kind of like repeated edm slash also techno kind of beat um so very bass heavy uh chorus uh they on their showcase when they perform this they are not wearing their the usual suits that they were performing with in the other songs they actually switched to kind of like this more uh i want to say like military uniform but it's like navy um which is also still very sexy <laughs> but um it looked really great like the dance moves were were again sharp it was 
delightfully choreographed i really actually love all of the choreography so far in the performances in this ep um but this crash and burn is just just a good bookmark to this ep because it's the last song in this ep i think there's six or seven songs maybe um in general i liked all of the songs um crash and burn though is like the last song in this ep and it's it's a good bookmark to a song that starts off with a song um like i discussed before you calling my name that's a little bit more uh smooth r&b track that is more uh low-key and chill you calling my name though is not as low-key and chill as uh what's this song Oh my god now i blacked out i've been listening to the whole album like the entire like the entire day and i should know what the titles are but i i don't oh there you go i just remembered um there's also another track in this um ep called thursday so thursday is just like a very chill low-key like good vibes type of song and you calling my name is a little bit the beats are a little bit faster than that and then crash and burn is just like it's just like hard pounding like dance song so it's kind of like they kind of progress you throughout this ep from like like it's peaks and valleys so you're just like and then in the end you're just like energized from this like like bass pounding song dance song so um oh my god it's it's like a mind-blowing comeback i mean i am just a huge fan so i'm just gushing over it but god seven is definitely one of those k-pop groups that are you know it's they're definitely worth a listen to if you haven't um and you're new to k-pop they're they're a group that is great to be fans of um they're amazing um like i said if you're actually listening to this podcast on um on anchor or on spotify premium you're actually gonna hear a 30 second um snippet of crash and burn after me talking about it uh and then we're gonna transition to talking about k beauty so listen on So now we're on the K-Beauty section of this podcast, Peach Neon Pink Ramblings. Um, so guys, alright, so this time I'm actually going to talk about Dr. Jart. Two products from Dr. Jart. Dr. Jart is one of those um, Korean brands, Korean K-Beauty, Korean skincare brands that are actually um, been readily available um, locally here in the States. Um, they've been um in sephora at least their bb creams and stuff like that since like i think 2010 or early like 2010s um so they've been available um for a while um i've tried a lot of their products before tried their bb creams uh which are all great um but i only recently actually um started using stuff from their skincare line um i might have talked about it before but i have um 
been using their um, Sikapair uh, color correcting cream. Um, I don't know if I talked about it in this podcast before, but quick summary: it's it's this kind of like gr- light green, minty green colored uh, cream that when you put it on your face, it corrects like all the redness, uh, and then it just blends into like your skin tone. Um, I've been using that. I just finished the the pot that I have. It's like a 50 ml pot. It comes out like that. Um, recently, so I have just purchased another one, and I'm gonna be going on and keep on using this. I really like how it really corrects uh, the redness on my face. It is. It smells really good actually, also too. And it has SPF, which is good because a girl cannot have enough SPF. Thus sunshine is harmful yo like sun rays are harmful you need to slap on your spf so uh the more spf the better and um i i put sunscreen normally anyways but um the the dr jars take a pair um color correcting cream it's just actually or is it color correcting cream color correcting treatment i think is the, the actual name um it is actually uh a good added spf the only um downside to it is that it's like 50 something dollars so it's kind of pricey but it actually you you just have to use very little so i've had that pot that i just finished like more than three months actually i think four months now and i just barely finished it i just scraped off everything from it and used it to the last drop anyways i'm going to talk about a couple of other um products from dr jart uh first of all i'm going to talk about dr jart dermaclear micro water so this one is their cleansing water um it says there it's waterless that you can actually use it without rinsing it which is why i've actually been using it kind of more like a toner it's similar to micellar water if you're familiar with that it smells uh i would say like slightly florally fruity like it's not very overwhelming the smell which is good because i don't like skincare products that are just overly perfumed because i feel like that just sticks to my skin and it just mixes into a weird scent after using several products so i do uh as i've mentioned before i do a double cleanse method and the 10 step korean skincare method so I feel like if one product just has an overwhelming smell that's overly perfumey, then it's just gross because then it, like the layers just add to it and just ends up mixing to a weird scent. Um, but this one I kind of liked. Um, it leaves... I felt like it left my skin very, feeling very refreshed. Uh, for a toner, that's a very good thing. Um, I actually got... I didn't get a full size of the of this the micro water because I got like a tinier version of it when I bought the uh the Sikapair color correcting treatment like the new um pot of it the new jar of it. So I'm trying it out. Uh, I've so far it's been like a week ish that I tried this micro water and I actually really like it. Like I said, at least my skin very refreshed. Um, it's quite comparable i think i talked about before sun and parks beauty water uh, it's very similar um, they both have that clean like no residue feeling to it so i think that's a good thing about toners i also don't like toners that are like very astringent and just stingy 
but this is lightweight it doesn't sting my skin and doesn't irritate it it's actually quite soothing which i like so um when i finished a little smaller bottle uh, it's like i think like a three ml bottle so it's probably gonna last me like a good like another two weeks or so trying it out um but i'll probably uh grab another like a full-size bottle because i really love it um i i mean there is similar price point to beauty water but uh dr jart is more like accessible to me because i have a local sephora um so a local beauty shop that i can go get it to but uh sun and park like the beauty water actually have to go to a different city to like an actual korean like uh makeup store just to buy it so it's not as accessible so i like the fact that you know uh micro water is just it's easier for me to pick up a bigger bottle to pretty much, but they're very comparable. Uh, they, I mean, I, I can't say that, uh, Dermaclear microwater is better yet because I've only really tried it for like about a week or so. It hasn't done anything bad to my skin. So that's a good thing. Um, and it definitely feels very clean. So I'm looking forward to, um, trying it out more, a couple more times, uh, in the next couple weeks. And then, like I said, I might actually end up buying um, the whole bottle, like the full-size bottle. Um, another Dr. Jart um, Korean Beauty product that I wanted to quickly, quickly talk about is the Sikapir Tiger Grass Cream. Uh, this one also I got like a smaller version of it uh, from when I bought the color correcting treatment from Dr. Jart. Um this one is a uh it's a moisturizer so um i like it because it's neither heavy nor just too thin and watery because i think like moisturizers are supposed to like keep the your your skin's natural like hydration in um and if it's too thin i feel like it doesn't work as well and it's just gonna rub off or evaporate much more easily but then i don't like it to when it's like a heavy cream because it just weighs down on my skin and then i end up only using it at night when i'm about to sleep because i don't want to have that heavy layer on my skin underneath the makeup all of the makeup the foundation and stuff which i do during the day or when i go out so i don't like it when it's super super heavy cream as well um this one is neither there's just the right consistency uh it also has sicapair or centella asiatica uh in a moisture rich form um sicapair and centella asiatica are pretty much the same thing um you guys know i love i love love this uh type of product that has centella asiatica because it's very good for uh keeping the acne in bay and like the redness and just like treating uh like skin issues so centella is really good for that uh and this one has a tiger grass is also another name for sicapair or centella asiatica they're all the same thing same same type of like plant um but this one is very moisture rich it really does moisturize the skin very well very easy to apply um like i said it's not too heavy 
but it's also not too thin and watery. So it means that it blends uh, fairly well and absorbs quite well into the skin. Um, it's the type of cream, moisturizing cream, that I think I would be fine wearing during the day because it's not too heavy. Um, I kind of compared it to Claire's Midnight Blue Calming Cream. Um, uh, in terms of texture, I would say that the Claire's Midnight Blue Calming Cream is much more silkier in the feel. And it leaves kind of like a thin like, film when you put it on. So usually that one I don't actually, even though it's lightweight, it's not a very heavy moisturizing cream. I don't use it during the day or if I'm like going out. I just use it when I'm about to sleep or if I'm just staying in staying at home and not doing anything because it kind of lives like uh leaves like a weird not weird but just leaves like a, a thin thin film like an emollient type of film um this one the sick pear tiger grass cream doesn't really do that is but absorbs fairly well it doesn't really leave a film but also it doesn't entirely just blend in and just get absorbed in the skin. I think it just, it takes time. It takes a few hours before it completely gets like absorbed into the skin. Um, so those are the differences between that. But um, I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to end up getting this in a full size uh, version just because I already have a lot of moisturizing creams that I'm using as it is. So um it's fine. I'm probably going to use up this one and see if I want to buy the complete, like, size of it, the full size. But, again, those are my thoughts on these two Dr. Jart uh, skincare items. Hopefully that helps you or at least interesting to you guys. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Korean beauty and skincare, so I do test out a lot of their skincare products so i'm probably gonna talk about a couple more in the next podcast as usual or maybe some k-beauty thing i don't know yet um but i'm always trying out different products all the time so uh yeah so you have reached the end of this podcast episode this was podcast episode eight of peach neon pink thank you so much for um tuning into this podcast once again definitely let me know what you want me to talk about at https forward slash forward slash anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink neon has two ends forward slash message or definitely on our socials tweet me at peach neon pink uh on twitter again neon has two ends 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate the continued support. I definitely look forward to the next podcast episodes. I've been drafting a few episodes in the head of time. I know I've been gone for vacation quite a few times since I started this podcast. So they ha- there has been some gaps in between uploading an episode. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for uh, hopefully you enjoyed uh, this podcast. Talking about Korean movies, Korean dramas, K-pop, especially my favorite group, GOT7. And um, what I'm trying out for Korean beauty skincare currently. Um, and yeah. See you guys next time.